You're listening to the Promise Church's message of the week. This week is Vision Sunday. The senior leaders come together to share their vision for 2020. For more information about who we are, visit us at thepromisechurch.com. All right, Vision Sunday. Everybody say Vision Sunday. How many people are excited, expectant? You guys excited? We're about ready to go into a fast. 2019 has been an amazing year. Um, man, I'm just so thankful for all that the Lord has done. There's so many different lives just looking around in this room that I know have changed drastically over the past 12 months. If, you, if that's you, if you're like, man, my life has been transformed the last 12 months, just wave at me. Just be like, yes, that's me. Come on, I feel like there are testimony after testimony of God taking somebody and just doing a 180 in their life. And, um, and you're all just beginning. So many amazing miracles, too. We've had, I just found out we had a lady who had a brain tumor, was just radically healed just a couple weeks ago of a brain tumor. Um, Joshua over here just shared his testimony, needed a cane, couldn't walk with a cane or without a cane, and all of a sudden can walk totally fine, running around the church, no more problems. I feel like the Lord is beginning to birth something in the area of healing in this church, and we're going to begin to see not partial healings, not prayers the answer tomorrow, but immediate answer to prayers as we begin to believe for God to do miraculous things. So get your faith stirred because I believe that God is beginning to mark this house as a place of healing. And even when people walk into the room without even laying on of hands, we're going to begin to see people healed. We've already seen it during worship. Nobody praying for them all of a sudden their body is healed and it's just the beginning. Amen. 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 Well, today we're going to just kind of lay some foundational groundwork of what we feel like God wants to do in this next year. And it's the year of 2020 and 2019. I felt like the last six months God has been preparing us. Anybody felt kind of this stirring in your spirit the last six months as God has been kind of getting you ready? It's like you can feel it, this anticipation, almost this there's this nervousness, I think, in the spirit of like, oh, Lord, something's coming. You're asking me to go off the cliff. And I think we're all at the point where we're like, let's go. There's still this fear of the Lord in us where like, oh, I can feel the presence of God all over me. And I'm, there's a little bit of trepidation, but at the same time, anticipation for what God wants to do. And it begins right now. Begins right now. Grab your Bibles and turn them to 1 Kings chapter 19. Uh, we've been on a kind of theme, if you will, out of Joshua 3, 5, which is consecrate yourself for tomorrow I will do amazing things among you. Everybody know this verse? We've been saying it now. Nobody. Anybody know this verse? All right. Consecrate yourself for tomorrow I will do amazing things among you. I want to make it very clear. We are not consecrating ourselves for the great things tomorrow. We are not consecrating ourselves for the breakthrough. We are not consecrating ourselves for the blessing. We are consecrating ourselves for Jesus. It is only about him. It is not about anything else that we can get. It is simply about him. I don't want a church that is all about growing. I don't want a church that is all about healing. I don't want a church that is even all about salvation. I want a church that is only about Jesus. And when it is only about him, you want to know what comes? Healing comes. Salvation comes. Growth comes. Cities are transformed. Schools are transformed. And people's lives become a light to the world because we realize that it's only always about Jesus. He is the theme. He is the topic. He is the focus. Without him, we're just having a great meeting. We are here for Jesus, and it's only ever going to be about him. So we're going to give you a theme, we're going to give you some topics and focus, but the underlying foundation of everything we're saying today is we are here for him. 
And that's all we're going to talk about until he comes back is Jesus. He's the topic that's never ending. It's like the song that goes on and on. He is the topic that goes on and on. It's only about Jesus. And in 1 Kings 19, we see a story. I better turn there. 1 Kings 19 about Elijah and Elisha. And Elijah is going to transfer his anointing upon Elisha. And it says this, so Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. I told first service, by the way, that apparently everybody thought I cussed a couple months ago when I was talking about the shell of the passion fruit. And I didn't quite say shell the way I was supposed to. It sounded much differently. And then I had multiple text messages on that following day asking if I needed to repent. I'm all here to tell you today, I did not. I said shell. Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. Elisha then left his oxen and ran after Elijah. Let me kiss my father and mother goodbye, he said, and then I will come with you. Go back, Elijah replied, what have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back, and he took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. Everybody say slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people, and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Here's Elisha, the son of a wealthy businessman, going to receive most likely the business when he grows up. Those oxen are his future. That plowing equipment are the tools for him to make money when he gets older. And here comes Elijah. He comes and he takes his cloak and he puts it on him, which in that time was a transference of anointing, transference of a mantle. And Elisha recognizes what occurs and says, I need to do something before I follow. I need to first go and take my oxen and take my plowing equipment and destroy them and give them away. And I felt like the Lord gave me this verse a couple months ago. And he said, Aaron, I, I'm, I'm inviting you and I'm inviting the promised church to follow me. But before you can truly follow the Lord, you must actually kill the old man. And you must actually leave it behind where there's no other option but only him. And I think that oftentimes we take plan B's with us, back doors with us, where we're living almost two lives at one time, where we want Jesus, but yet we're looking to other places to meet fulfillment in our lives. And I believe the Lord for this church is drawing a line in the sand to say, if you want me, if you want to go deeper into me, if you want to fully surrender, you must take that oxen and that plowing equipment and you must destroy it to where you have no other future but me. This was his future. This was his source of income when he gets older. This was the business he was going to inherit. But he knew before he could become a true follower, he had to first destroy any plan B in his life. And many people in this room are beginning to follow the Lord. Many people in this room have said yes to him. But I believe that we've also started to drag things into this following that ultimately, if it doesn't work out, we still have them. Let me give you an example. My son, I've shared this, haven't maybe shared it recently, but we lost our son maybe three and a half years ago. My wife and I are in the hospital with a dead baby, and I have never had more faith to believe for that baby to come back alive. 
because there was only one solution and it was Jesus. There was no other plan B. It was only him. I could do nothing to make my son start breathing again. It was only Jesus. I had no plan B. I had faith more than I've had faith in my life. I had more faith in that moment for a seemingly impossible situation than I do for praying for a common cold to be healed. Why? Because I went into that hospital room with no plan B. Only one option was Jesus. That same faith, that same conviction to say there's no other choice for me but him is the same faith that we need to have in every aspect of our lives. Many times when we pray for somebody who has a broken leg, we know that that leg will set right. A doctor will provide crutches or eventually that leg will heal and they'll be fine. There's always plan B. When we follow with the Lord, when we surrender to him, we carry plan B's with us. We carry back doors with us where if it doesn't work out, we can find peace in this area. We can find fulfillment over there. We can find provision over there. We give to an extent to where it's just enough, but we still have provision over here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? We live generosity to a point where it doesn't quite take us past our level of ability to provide for ourselves. I feel like the Lord is saying, I want to give you faith to begin to step out on the edge of that cliff and step off not knowing if you're going to be able to make that next step. To take that step, you don't know if you're going to make it. You don't know if you're going to fall. Taking you out on a step of faith where you don't know if it's going to come through. You don't know if, but I believe because I have no other option but to believe that Jesus will do it. And he's inviting you to take those plan B's, to set them at the altar and say, God... I will only trust in you. If you don't come through, it won't work. I'm putting myself in places and positions. I'm going to live a lifestyle where the only option is Jesus coming through. This requires you to change your habits. This requires you to change your schedule. This requires you to change your view, what you view. Requires you to maybe change when you go to bed and when you wake up. Requires you to probably do something differently in your family, in your marriage, in your parenting. Because I only live for one thing. And it's to see Jesus. To sit at his feet, to gaze upon the beauty of the Savior. You are not eliminating plan B's in your life to improve your life. You're not removing options so that you can succeed. You're removing plan B's so that you can see Jesus. It's only about him. And I believe the Lord wants to begin to trust this house in a greater way with the glory of the presence of God. And when the glory comes, it's because he trusts us. And he can trust us because there's nothing else in our life that takes precedent over him. And I believe many of us, if we're being honest, we've allowed our, whatever it is, that oxen and that plowing equipment, our plan B, if it doesn't work, if God's, if, if I'm going to try, but you know, I'm, I'm going to, if it doesn't work out, at least I've got this over here. I don't know what that is. I'm not going to try to define it because I don't want to narrow that down for you. But I will tell you this, we will not widen the approach to God. This will never be a church that widens the road. We will honor the narrow road to Jesus. It is a narrow road of no compromise. It is a road of extreme faith. 
It is a road where doubt has no place. It is a narrow road. And I believe the Lord is inviting us as a church to say, will you eliminate every plan B in your life and make me your only goal? He is the only goal. He is the prize. He is the message. He is the only truth. He is the only truth. He is the only way. He is the only solution. He is the only lamb. He is a lion and a lamb at the same time. He is the beginning and the end at the same time. This is Jesus. We should never get bored of talking just about Jesus. There is no other solution you need in your marriage, in your finances, in your life, but Jesus. He is the only solution you need. He is it. And we got to remove everything else aside. We need to have no plan B when it comes to generosity. We need to have no plan B when it comes to our prayers. We need to have no plan B when it comes to parenting. We need to have no plan B when it comes to our marriage. We need to have no plan B when it comes to how we love Jesus. Am I making sense today? Do you feel the Holy Spirit speaking to you right now? As we go into this fast, I believe that the Lord is going to give you an opportunity to destroy that oxen and destroy that plowing equipment. Will you kill it? Leave it behind where the only option you have from this point forward is Jesus. He is it. It's sobering because you realize if I don't give him everything, I'm just wasting my time. What are we doing? Why are we, if we're not willing to lay it all on the altar, what are we doing? He is it only him close your eyes with me Jesus God I pray for faith to be deposited in each heart here God as we consecrate ourselves before you over these next 21 days as we consecrate ourselves to you this year God I pray that you bring to our attention every area in our life that we've allowed to share its place with you. Every area from our old self that we've carried with us. God, we kill it. We lay it at the altar and we don't take it back with us. God, I pray for faith in each person in this room. Those areas that they need to die to. They need to lay before you. God, I ask for the faith and the obedience to say yes. We want to be a church where our response to you is yes. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. We follow you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, so good. We could go home right now. But we won't. As we've talk, been talking about, and I shared this a couple weeks ago, that we do believe that the Lord's taking us deeper. But we're not going deeper in a topic or a theme or a subject matter. We're not going deeper in anything else but the person of Jesus, to know Him more. And so, 
this theme of no plan B, this theme of all in is for him. It's to know him and to be with him. And the reason why we're doing this 21-day fast is to know him, is for more of him. And this is what it's all about. And you might hear this, us talking about fasting and go, oh no, the F word, fasting. The Christian F word, fasting. Uh, I'll tell you this, the only person that, excuse me, the only people who don't want you to fast is the devil, his demons, and yourself. Jesus wants you to fast. And the part of yourself that doesn't want to fast is the part that needs to die. It's the old you, the part without Jesus. And God is calling us into this invitation to fast. And for 21 days, we have an opportunity to set our lives aside fully for Him and to be fully focused on Him. And I want to encourage you, it's not just fasting, it's prayer and fasting. If all you're doing is not eating, then you are doing a really terrible diet. You need to pray when you would normally eat. You need to pray when you're hungry. You need to spend more time with the Lord than you would normally. And what I believe that God wants to do in this time of fasting and prayer is that he wants to reestablish a foundational practice and a foundational lifestyle in us of a lifestyle of fasting. We should not only fast in January. We should not only fast when we are desperate and in something that we need God to do for us. Or we need God to speak to us, so I will fast. No, we should be living a lifestyle of fasting. Why? Because I really believe it is at the core of the cry of the bride of Christ for the bridegroom Jesus. That is that cry of Maranatha, come Lord Jesus, come. Where the spirit and the bride say come. And we, we desire to be with him for eternity. And we have an opportunity to, to come into a moment, to come into a place where heaven and earth collide. And we collide with him. And and we see him, and we're with him, and we're forever changed. We, we must be willing to go there in, in this place of fasting. I would encourage you to recognize what fasting is. It's not eating. Fasting is not eating. It's not, not looking at social media. It's not, not watching TV or movies. That's discipline. I would encourage you to do that along with not eating. But we would, we've asked you now for the last probably month or more to ask the Lord how he would have you fast because we recognize everyone is on a different place and a different journey in this. A couple years ago, like three years ago, we only did 10 days and we were like, oh brother, I hope you could make 10 days of only eating fruits and vegetables. And that's maybe where you're at. But we believe that God's taking us into a place of 21 days of prayer and fasting where you... Ask the Lord what that looks like. No one has ever said that you have to fast the full 21 days water only. Now, I'm going to, and I know some people are, but you don't have to. It might look different for you. You might fast water only every other day. You might fast water only for like five days or ten days or two weeks, and then the rest of the time you do something else. Maybe you, you fast three days a week. Water only, and then the rest of the days of the week you eat normally. Maybe you do what we would call an intermittent fasting, where you only eat certain times of the day, where you only eat like 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. And the, at night and in the morning you don't eat. But there, there are many different ways to do that. But again, whatever the Lord tells you to do, you need to do it. 
Don't do what you think you can manage. Don't do what you think you can do. Don't, think what, don't do what makes sense to you. Do what he tells you to do. Because whatever you think that you can do in your own strength, you won't even be able to do that in your own strength. But whatever he tells you to do, there the grace comes to do it. He gives you the grace when you do what he's told you to do. So I encourage you to, to ask the Lord for clarity there if you still need that. I want to give you some wisdom on when you break your fast, okay? So many of you are fasting more than five days water only consecutively, a, long, a longer extended fast of water only. You need to be very careful when you reintroduce food back into your body. When you fast for that long, your stomach is brand new and your digestive system has been hopefully cleansed. And so you need to, isn't that just a wonderful picture? Praise the Lord for the cleansing. It's body and spirit and soul. And, and so you, you need to be careful how you reintroduce food back into your body. Your stomach shrinks. It would be very stupid to eat a hamburger after fasting for five days. Your stomach isn't even big enough to handle it. And so you can really do damage to your body if you just think, oh my gosh, my fast is over, praise the Lord, and you gorge yourself. Okay? So reintroduce to your body liquids and, and very semi-solid foods that are healthy and then begin with fruits and vegetables and healthier types of foods for an extended period of time. They, they recommend, they, the experts of fasting, people who do it way more than me, they, they say however long you fast, if you do longer than three days, let's say you do 10 days water only, half of that amount of time you need to be very careful how you reintroduce food back into your body. So if you fast 10 for five days, you slowly are introducing food back into your body. Healthy food. Praise the Lord. Isn't that so fun that you need to be more disciplined after you can eat than while you can't eat? Woo! This is what fasting will do for you. It produces faith. It produces patience. It produces dependency and trust where you're like, God, I need you. I can't even th survive today without you. And the Lord will tell you, why can't you live that way every day? You should need me like this every day. It should produce in you a hunger to know the Lord while you are more hungry for him than you are for food. It will produce a death to self, a death of the old man, your flesh that is the part of you that gets in the way of your obedience to the Lord. That will die. Praise God. Why the consecration? We, we, Joshua 3.5, Pastor Aaron mentioned just a little bit ago, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. As he said so well, we're not doing a consecration or a fast for something, for healing, for breakthrough, for uh, the wonders and the miracles. We're doing it for Jesus. We're doing it to know him more. We're doing it to, be, to see him. Why are we doing it? It's to see him. I, wanna, I have to read this so I say it right, but we are consecrating for better concentration. Consecration for, conse consecration for concentration. Whew. Praise the Lord. God wants you to see him. God wants you to be able to see the invisible one made visible in Jesus, the one who the Holy Spirit loves to reveal. And when you've seen him, everything changes. Nothing will be the same 
in your life. Mark 9.15 is a verse that the Lord just landed on me a few weeks ago that has been wrecking me, and I know we'll continue, and I'm going to share this more in the future, but Mark 9.15, Jesus is coming down the mountain of transfiguration. He has just had his face shine brighter than the sun and his clothes whiter than snow, and he begins to come down the mountain with Peter, James, and John, and the rest of his disciples are with a crowd of people, and it says this in Mark 9.15, as soon as all the people saw, man, I can't read this without getting emotional. It's just crazy. As soon as all the people saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with wonder and ran to greet him. When you see him, you will never be the same. You will be overwhelmed with wonder and awe, and you will run to him, and he will forever change your life. If you aren't full of wonder with Jesus, if you, your heartstrings don't get pulled when you think of him or when you, when you talk about him, then this time of fasting is so for you because he wants to show you himself and forever change and transform you. What is the point of holiness? What is the point of consecration? It's to see him. Matthew 5, 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. He wants you to see him. Hebrews 12, 14. Make every effort. Make every effort. It doesn't sound like passiveness, apathy, laziness. That sounds like no plan B. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. The purpose of holiness and consecration is to see Him. It's to see Him in His holiness and His beauty. God says, be holy as I am holy. He wouldn't invite us into it if it was impossible. It's possible through him and his grace. Holiness is a divine invitation to become like him in his nature. And when you experience God, when you see him and his wonder and his beauty and who he is, you will be satisfied in him and want nothing else. And the idea of fasting, the idea of surrender, the idea of giving whatever he would ask of you, it's like, yes, Lord, absolutely, because you're so much better than anything else and you're all I desire you're all I want you're all I need and so that's what we're believing for in this time of fasting and prayer and I know that God's got amazing things in store for us we have a booklet for you that we want to hand out if I could have a few people help jump up and help Ken and the ushers pass this booklet out I didn't do it before I began to speak otherwise you wouldn't hear anything I probably have to say because you'd be distracted looking through this booklet because it is it is really good looking it's beautiful it's well made and so I just want to encourage you to read through this at some point we're going to ha- highlight some of the different facets of it over the next uh, few minutes but Take it home with you. It's got things in there that you can pray for while you're fasting. It's got scriptures to read about fasting and prayer. It's, it's a really great uh, thing. It's got a calendar in there of events that we're doing over these next 21 days that we're going to talk about for you to be a part of. So please take this, look this over, take this home with you, and uh, really just jump in, church. I'm telling you, you won't regret what God has in store for you for these next 21 days. In Zechariah, it talks about where... The prophet is saying to the people, you fast for yourself rather than for Jesus. And the Lord's not interested in it. We're not fasting for you. You're not fasting for yourself. You're fasting for him. He is why we are here. He is why we are fasting is to see Jesus. 
is to be with him, is to see his face, is to go deeper in our relationship with him. Amen. We want to give you six things real quick. Six things that we feel like as a, as a church that God is inviting us to focus on during these next 21 days. First one is this, is surrendering to the Lord. Every second and fourth Tuesday, which we might tell you next week it's every Tuesday. I don't know. But right now, it's the second and fourth Tuesday of every, every month. Second and fourth Tuesday of every month. Everybody say second and fourth Tuesday. <laughs> we are going to be doing what are called Jesus Nights. Amen. <laughs> Ashley's excited. Me and Ashley. And these nights from five, at 5.30, same time as Promise Kids are going to go on, we're going to be meeting up in the Northwest Room, and the power of God is going to fill that room, and whoever shows is never going to be the same again. We've realized that on Sunday mornings, we don't have enough time often for people to encounter the Lord in the way that he wants to do it. We've got scheduling and services, and you've got to eat for some reason, and we've got life. We've got to get everybody first service out so you guys can all park. Amen. A lot of times you come and you're like, there's no space and you're circling. We've got schedules, unfortunately. But Tuesday night, second and fourth Tuesday of every month, we're going to be having Jesus nights up in the Northwest Room. I'm telling you, you do not want to miss these nights. The power of God is going to fill that room upstairs and you will never be the same. I'm telling you, you need to mark these dates in your calendar. If you want to go deeper in the Lord, if you want to grow in relationship, if you want to see Jesus, if you want to be transformed from the inside out and have the Holy Spirit fill you again and again and again, you're going to need to come on the second fourth Tuesday of every month to Jesus Night, 5.30, up in the Northwest Room. Come expectant because God's going to move. Amen? The next one is this, is learn how to pray. Learn how to pray. We, I've realized this. The Lord has been convicting me. Aaron, you do not believe when you pray. I've shared this a couple of times already. I feel like the Lord has been saying, you are becoming an expert at praying and not becoming an expert in believing. The Bible says, when you ask and believe, you'll receive. I'm asking, but oftentimes I'm not believing. I believe the Lord wants to teach us how to pray again, to believe what we say, to believe that when we pray prayers, that we're prophesying into existence what God wants to do. And so we're going to be focusing on this during this next 21 days and we're going to be having what's the date again january 18th we're going to meet at the kalama community center and we're going to pray over the city of kalama and every month we meet there and we believe that god's going to begin a revival in the city of kalama and that that night we want the entire church to come out to fill that community center and i'm going to tell you as we pray that city's going to shake Let's practice that again. When we pray, that city is going to shake. That I believe that the foundation of the city of Kalama is going to begin to be rebuilt. That it's going to begin to be marked by the power and the presence of God. That the blood of Jesus is going to wash that city clean. And we're going to see a city transformed. And even though we might not be located in that city, God has entrusted to us a region. And we're going to step out and believe that that, that city, Kalama, is going to be known as a city for Jesus. And I want you to begin to ask the Lord during these next 20 days, God, birth in me faith for the impossible. Birth in me faith for revival. Birth in me faith. Do you realize that God has called us to disciple nations? And we're believing for cities. He said nations. And we're believing for our family. I got a feeling we're not dreaming big enough. 
We've got to begin to believe that what the Bible says we're called to do, we need to do it. Ah, we need to believe for nations. I better stop. Ah, and so we're going to meet January 18th in the city of Kalama at that community center. I'm telling you, come expectant because that city is going to begin to be marked by the power of God. All right. Come on. Whew. All right. A couple more things we got that are happening during our fast that we're focusing on. The first one is Friday night worship. Who was here this last Friday night? Come on, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Ah, oh, you guys are amazing. It was so good. I loved it. We worshiped for an hour and 40 minutes, and it was just like, couldn't feel my fingers after it on my guitar. And I just know that the Lord is really going to begin to birth something for us. I got a verse for Friday night here really fast. It's, um, oh, it's Colossians 3.16. It says this. It says, let the word of Christ live in you richly, flooding you with all wisdom. Apply the scriptures as you teach them and instruct one another with the Psalms. And with festive praise and with prophetic songs given to you spontaneously by the Spirit, so sing to God with all your hearts. I believe that what this Friday night worship thing is going to do is it's going to release the prophetic song of the Lord over this house. Again, I feel like he's going to rebirth something in this body to sing and to hear his voice and to take that song and sing it over this land to sing it over the people that we live with, to sing it over the people we work with, that we're going to begin to see signs, wonders, miracles happen while we worship. Next thing that we have is Evangelism Saturday. Everybody say evangelism. Ooh, that was not good. Everybody say evangelism. Come on. The Bible says what? Go out and make disciples, right? All nations, Preach the good news, right? So we're going to take advantage of this, and we are going to go on a Saturday. We are going to go on January 25th as a church, and we're going to launch, huh, what time? At 3 o'clock on the 25th, 3 o'clock, right down your calendars, right? It's actually in your calendar in the booklet we gave you. It's so amazing, so you guys can take that home. We're going to launch out, and we're going to go and just reach this whole area for the Lord. It's going to be awesome. Don't miss it. Uh, next thing culturally that we want to begin to create in this church is to be a bringer. All right, what does that mean? That means we're going to have friends Sundays. That means it is up to us to invite someone to this church that we have not invited before and they have not had a chance to come here yet. So we're going to go out. We're going to we're going to ask people in our workplace, in our families, in our schools, everywhere that we we know. Raise your hand if you got someone that you can ask to come to church. I, I should be, if I could lift both feet, I would. All right, so we all got somebody. It, it doesn't take much. Go out, hey man, I, like, would you like to come to church? Like, would you like to maybe just try it out once? You know, no strings attached. Just come have fun, hang out. It's a pretty cool atmosphere. It's really fun. There's great people. The promise shirts are the nicest people and the best looking people around. So like, you guys can come and be a part. It'd be so good, right? Super easy. Next thing is small groups. Everybody say small groups. This is a core value here at our church. We believe strongly in small groups. We encourage you, 
be a part of a small group. There's two ways to connect in a small group. One, you go on thepromisechurch.com, sign up for a small group. You can see who's a leader. Two, you can check out all the iPads slash kiosk things that we have in the lobby or back by the new guest table. You can find out who's leading them, sign up, find out what day it's on. It's awesome. Don't miss it. Small groups are so important. Who was a part of a small group this last time around? Raise your hand. That is amazing. I encourage the rest of you who are not a part and the ones who are already a part to do it again, all right? Awesome. Thank you, guys. Just to reiterate, these, take, for example, the Evangelism Saturday. All of you are called to be an evangelist. Amen. Everybody say amen. You are called to be an evangelist. And that Saturday, Scott is going to be here, and he's going to train us for an hour and a half. An hour and a half with Jad, and you're going to learn how to go be a witness for Jesus. And then we're going to go out, and people are going to get saved. Their lives are going to be transformed, and you're going to be transformed because you're going to realize that you can do this. If you have never been trained on how to evangelize, you need to be here that Saturday. You've got two weeks for the Lord to change your heart to show up. (laughs) Prepare yourself because that Saturday is going to change your life. Everybody say amen. Real quick, I'm going to read you a scripture. Put up, it's the Hebrews one. Do you have that up there, Andrew? Hebrews 3. It's in your booklet. No? Is it up there? Hebrews 3.13. I want to make a challenge for you as well. Everybody here should do this starting tomorrow. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be heartened by sin's deceitfulness. Each one of us, over these next 20 days, I want you to find two or three people. And I want you to, you can do it through text, you can do it person, you can do it for phone call. And I want one of your missions to be, you're going to encourage them every day. We need to be everyday encouragers. Everyday encouragers, constantly encouraging people to love Jesus. It may be through a prophetic word, It may just be something that God's showing you. It may be just a note of encouragement, whatever it be. But I want us to be people who are everyday encouragers. And so find two or three people. And every day for the next 21 days, I want you to send them encouragement. Say amen. Let's practice this. Every one of you can become an everyday encourager. Amen. So... We feel like the Lord is asking us to do these seasons. And in this next season, we're calling it season one. I know it's amazing. And in this season, we don't know how long it's going to last, but we feel like the Lord is challenging us in four areas. If the only time that you gather together to worship Jesus corporately is on a Sunday morning, it's probable that you've lost your first love of him. And so we want to have four things be the focus of this season. Sunday mornings, Jesus nights, Friday night worship, and small groups. And we want to encourage every single person in this church to participate in all four of those areas. Sunday mornings, Jesus nights, come grow deeper in your relationship with the Lord. Friday nights, set aside time to worship Him. Small groups, grow in community. Every single person here should participate in all four of those. Maybe you come to one Jesus night. Maybe you come to one Friday night a month. 
Maybe you go to a small group that meets weekly, but you can only make it twice a month. Whatever it is, but make an effort to participate in all four of these areas. Don't have another option. There's no plan B. There's one way. It's Jesus. He is the way. And so I'm going to realign my life so that he is the only way. Everybody say amen. <laughs> Let this season of your life be marked by this, a commitment to follow Jesus no matter what. This is a great way to start. Sunday mornings, Tuesday nights, Friday nights, and small group. Amen? Amen. Starting next Sunday, you too can wear these really cool sweatshirts. And we have other shirts and swag for you. Uh, and it'll be for sale next week. All right. I love that we do these Vision Sundays for lots of reasons. One of them, I believe, is because it stirs up something inside of us uh, of an expectancy uh, for what is to come. We've done these for the last few years now, and there's been things that God has told us to cast vision for, to believe for as a church family, and they began to happen, and we didn't believe that they would happen as quickly as that they have, but yet they happen even quicker than we expected. And so I believe that God moves powerfully when we cast a vision for something that it can happen. As Aaron said earlier, our, our vision is Jesus. Our vision direction is Him and pursuing Him and knowing Him. But we also believe that in doing so, it will have results. There will be things that will happen as a byproduct of seeking the Lord, of seeing Him, of wanting Him more than anything else. It's the kingdom. These signs will follow those who believe. In my name, they'll cast out demons. They'll heal the sick. They'll raise the dead. People will get saved. People will get baptized. Things will take place when people pursue Jesus. And so we know this to be true. A, year, a couple of years ago, we, we cast a vision to be a ch ascending church, to plant a church someday within five years. And la this last year, 2019, we planted our first church out of this house. We, we had vision for doing multiple services because we knew God was going to grow this place. We started doing second services in 2018. We know there's more to come. So as I share these things, just know that God has this in store for us. We don't know the timing. It could come sooner than later, but we, we believe that God wants us to believe for these things together as we continue to pursue Him. Uh, one of the things I felt like the Lord actually corrected me on a few months ago was not praying and not believing for our building here to be paid off. That God wants us to pray, and not just for these 21 days, but until it happens to pray for this building to be paid off, to pray for a plan for it to be paid off. And we only owe $1.3 million on this place. It's, it's nothing. There's homes in this area that are going for more than $1.3 million. And there's over 17 acres of beautiful property and this building that's 20 years old. And so we, we want to believe for that to take place. Why? So that it... It frees us up financially to see God expand us and grow us even more. 
We, we believe that there's going to be new buildings and more buildings to come that we buy and that we build for other campuses and other cities. We believe that God wants to give us buildings in this region and this area for kids and for youth and for, for able to have more uh, of an expanded meeting room and all these different things. So, so believe with us, pray with us for these things. We, we believe that God wants to send out more church planters from this place, more missionaries onto the mission field from this place. We, we believe that God wants to bring more salvations, more growth, more miracles, more healing, more of those things. But more than anything, we desire more of Him. We desire more of the one who's more than enough. And we desire Him more than anything else because only He satisfies. Growth doesn't satisfy. Miracles don't satisfy. Services don't satisfy. Buildings don't satisfy. Only Jesus satisfies. And we want Him more than anything, and He is enough for us. Why don't you stand? I feel like this morning there's a real sobering spirit in the room. I can feel it myself because I know what the Lord is calling us into. Just close your eyes with me. Jesus. Jesus, we love you, Jesus. Just begin to lift your voice and exalt Him. Just begin to exalt Him. Everybody here, lift your hands. Begin to exalt the Lord.
worship you. Don't move on. Just wait on church I see is a church that when we pray we see healing the church I see is people free not bound by depression or anxiety any longer not bound by addiction but they are free the church that I see is a church that lives like Jesus that will not allow fear that will not allow insecurity to hold them back any longer but will walk and be a bright light for Jesus the church that I see is a place where we give honor to the King of Kings. We understand how to come before and, and give Him the honor that is due. The church that I see is a praying church that believes what we pray. That is not a church that just casts seed and doesn't believe it, but begins to see the fruit of prayers from years past. The church that I see is a church that walks into a season of harvest in Jesus name the church that I see is a church that recognizes that we must humble ourselves before the Lord the church that I see is a surrendering church where we lay ourselves on the altar of Jesus true worship is this that you and I are a living sacrifice we are the sacrifice not what you have not what you can do you are the sacrifice lord we lay ourselves on that altar send your fire upon each one of us in jesus name the purifying fire of heaven know what you're asking for church as you consecrate yourself be prepared because the lord will honor your request he is faithful to honor it. Amen, amen.